That sound is the delicate fluttering of the chequered flag bunting hanging off our flagpole at our tent because this is the second part of Gareth Jones on speed at the Le Mans 24 Hours 2016. Two signature sounds of the Le Mans 24 hours, fast cars on the road passing the campsite, that was a Subaru Impreza with an exhaust the size of a dustbin, and the ubiquitous tramping of feet on gravel at the campsite, which is nice and dry, Zog, isn't it? Good morning. It's dry now, yeah, thank goodness. Kind of wet last night. It was. And we only just managed to get the tent up before it started chucking it down. In fact, we were putting it up That's the thing. the rain started, but we just managed to get there in time. If you arrive, and it's not raining, you put the tent up. If you arrive and it is raining, you wait for the shower to finish, then you put the tent up. If you start putting the tent up and halfway through it starts raining, you're committed, you're, you're going to yeah, get wet. Yeah, no, I see that, yeah. I see that. Oh, that's a nice car. Ah, a right, so we thought we'd give you a small tour of the Travel Destinations Porsche Curves campsite where we are based. So just been distracted to look at an Aston Martin. What do you think about Aston Martin, Damien? Cool. Yeah? You like this one? Yeah. Is that a Vantage... V- it's a v- v- yeah, V12 uh, yeah. Vantage. Oh, that's such a sweet colour. Just that sort of... Leaf that sort of mint, ivy. Sort of slightly metallic mint version of British Racing Green. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a good colour for a DB4 Zagato. Correct. Yes, indeed. That, now you'll all know the colours I was talking about immediately he says that. We thought we'd just talk a little bit about some of the cars at the campsite, because, of course, as you know, when you come to Le Mans, you bring something special. And, Stevie, you spotted something? Anything you like? Yes, the Ford Escort with the two blue stripes. It's a Mexico in the correct colours. That's what I was going to say. Emreg, yes. what's that? 1974? Emreg, I can't quite remember, that's off the top of my head. It is lovely. Wheel arches, look at those beautiful wheel arches on the side. With Le Mans stickers on the side, a roll cage, it's a rally prepared car, or perhaps a race prepared car, it's hard to tell. It's got a roll cage, let's have a look, let's have a look, what are the wheels? It's got tremendous little 15 inch, are they 15 inch? Are they 15 inch little wheels? Oh, they're Ronal mini lights, aren't they? You put Ronald Mini lights on anything and it looks amazing. Now, this car is here because this is a big year for Ford. And actually, there's a small collection of Fords here at the campsite. The Escort Mexico is parked right next to a brilliant tangerine Ford Focus ST Estate. Imagine how much I'd like that because I like the estate car. I like a Ford. And that actually looks a business. It stands out in the car park here amongst some remarkable cars. Um, mostly stickered up, not exclusively. There's some Dutch cars here as well. That's interesting. Uh, I thought this was an almost exclusively British site, but there are two Dutch registered cars here. A BMW M2, which I have to say looks very purposeful, and an old BMW 316, I think that is a very old one. But the Escort's getting a lot of love. It's great, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. I'm sure it's a tribute rather than the real thing. What, that they've taken a body shell and put all the right bits in, and you think? It's probably. Yeah, who knows? Maybe not, maybe not. Who knows? There are people who build those things sort of new for you, yeah, which are yeah. great. There's a flag for the owner. Oh, yeah, and another one here. What, what have you seen? Oh, that's the flag that's on the front of the Escort. So those guys must own the Escort. Uh, oh, right. So we can speak to them if we need to. What is the flag? Can you I'm not tell? Sure, right? It seems like some sort of club there in Six Flight. Six Flight. Okay, it's got a cathedral on it, established 2012. Do we know that cathedral? Do we recognise it? 
three crosses. It's the Bolton family, isn't it? The sigil of House Bolton in Game of Thrones, that, that cross. No, no, that's the flayed man. The flayed man, the flayed that's man. right, yes. Oh, well, that's a worry. I hope they're not here. We've got a nice couple of Lotus Elises, brilliantly coloured, a couple of Caterhams, Og Spotted, some 911s, an RX-7, oh, a Carrera GTS in indigo blue. How much do you want that, Z? Is that your colour, darling? I can call you darling, can I? Of course. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm, you know, that, that sounds like a no to me. I'd go for a different colour, but if it's that in that colour, I'd put it with blue. There's another... ST Focus Estate with some nice roundels, RAF roundels on the side, LM2016. Don't know who this is, but it looks pretty, doesn't it? It looks that's striking. A good one. Yeah, that's a great, that's a cracking colour for it. Nice, quite a deep, rich yellow. Again, just a little bit of metallic flake in it. Tangerine, would you say? No, not. I'd say it's more kind of. It's on the it, orange it, side of yellow. It's deep banana. It's deep um, banana. Uh, Deep yeah, you know, you're right, it is on the orange side of the yellow. Violet always puzzles about how I like to describe colours. Because I describe colours of all sorts of things. And I always have a reference in car colours. Because in the 70s I knew too much about Ford paint colours. Oh, that's Nevada beige. Right. Sahara beige. Oh no, that's signal red. You just know that stuff. Um, Some people might, you know, might refer to Tamiya model paint colours, but you've got your purple... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to have a reference. Yeah. Uh, listen, we've got to go, because we've got stuff to do in the rest of the show, but Stevie's taking some pictures of a lovely Lamborghini you like that. But for me, the most interesting car I've spotted here so far... Come with me, boys. Come over here. Come over here. It's not a two-door sports car. It's not a V8 GT, it's not a pickup, it's something that's quite mundane, but utterly special. Actually, as we arrived, this car was driving in front of us and we followed it as we pulled into the campsite. It's a Saab 9.5. Yeah, the last one. The one that they only built a few of. And you never see them in the flesh, this is a very rare car. Mm. You know, it all went a bit bankrupty for them, didn't it, at that point, where they had a promise of a purchase from some Chinese people who just let them go and then scooped up what was left. What a shame. Yeah, no, a great heritage gone to waste. Great so this shame. was the end of the Saab? That end was the of end of Saab, Saab yeah. yeah. Very, very sad end. And this it's is a rather a, lovely ending, though. Looking it's a lovely-looking car, really isn't is. it? It truly is, and it's got a lot of Saab about it. You look at the C-pillar, that's evoking the old 99 in some ways. It's just right. What did it pair the platform with? It was basically the same uh, underpinnings. As uh, the Vectra. It was the last yeah. of the Vectra line, the Vauxhall Vectra line. But they did a lot with it by this time. And it's beautiful, but it's not as beautiful as the car I'd most like to see here, which was the estate version of this. They only made a couple of and they never sold. That would be it. Anyway, that's the most interesting car at the site. I thought you might like to see it or hear about it. Uh, we'll speak to you later. More stuff to do. From that sound, you can tell that we've come up to the circuit. And we're actually in the paddock, thanks to Stéphane Gervais, who is the PR and marketing manager for the Rebellion team. We've been invited to have a tour of the Rebellion garage. Thank you very much. You're running two cars. He's on the phone already. He's a very busy man. This is the day before the race, the Friday. So it's a quiet time in the grand scheme of things. But there's an awful lot of preparation going in. We're at the back of the garage now. I can see that looks like a mount for the rear wing or some kind of brace. A stack of helmets. One of those will be Nelson Piquet Jr.'s helmet, Nelson's 
racing in one of the cars. The reason that we managed to get in here is my old A1 GP connections. Mark Chitty Chittenden was a mechanic on an A1 GP car when I worked on that many years ago. And I bumped into him at Le Mans and he said, why don't you come over to the garage? And here we are. Go on, Stefan. Hey, treat the place as if it's your own, why don't you? Uh, That's the place where we have all the, our guests. You keep them in here. A safe place this way, they are not in the working area. But they can touch the parts and bodywork. If, I'd say if, we have to bring back the car back in the garage during the race. So you've got two cars. You've got a spare chassis. You're allowed to bring a spare chassis? We have a spare chassis in the truck but I hope we will not need to use it. It was only for the test because now with the race, if we have some damage during the race or warm-up, there's no chance we can change the tub or engine or any gearbox. And how have the cars been running in qualifying and practice? Good? They were running quite well, to be honest. Uh, reliable, lapping, all the drivers get their chance to, uh, to have some experience in the track. Especially Matteo Tescher, who is the youngest driver this year at Le Mans. Only, ni only 19. He's only 19. Only 19. He won his first single-seater championship in China in Formula Abarth. He was 14, then made his debut in Formula 2. He was 15. Wow. So it's a young and promising guy. And on car 12, we had uh, Nelson Piquet Jr., who is making his uh, comeback to Le Mans 10 years after his debut with uh, Aston Martin from uh, Modena. I know Nelsino a little. I was in A1GP with Chitty and yeah. Nelsino, as we called him then, yeah. was a uh, quick lad. So it's yeah. great you've got him in the car here. Come on, let's go and have a look at the cars. We love this because Rebellion, as you know, commissioned their own car. It's the R1. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we call it. Can we get in here? Can we load in here? I'm standing in between the two chassis. The number 12, 13, 13 on this side and 12, 12 on that side. On the left side. So the, uh, the number 12 car is stripped back. Most of the bodywork is off at the moment. Someone's inside. What's going on right now, Stefan? Uh, for now, they are... Finally, into building the, the car for the race. We swapped swap engines uh, yesterday for the last quality just to check if everything was okay. And uh, this morning, they, uh, they, they put the race gearboxes and all new suspension and brakes for the, for the race, new fluids, everything will be brand new for the race. Everything new. Yeah. And then you again for Nürburgring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an expensive business, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, of the two cars, are you expecting one to be quicker than the other, or is it...? No, there's no plan. Yeah. There is uh, no way for us to say, OK, you have to be in front or you have to stay behind the guys. They do their own race, then we will see who's uh, in front uh, on Sunday afternoon. You inherited a great position at Silverstone. Yeah. Is that luck going to continue? Because you're now competing against a fewer number of factory LMP1 cars. Yeah. So the chances of you getting on the podium have escalated, haven't they? Yeah, it's making our lives much easier with only six factory cars instead of nine or ten like last year. But for us, the plan is the same, to have a solid race, stay out of trouble, fuel the car, put new tires, change drivers, and be safe on the track. We don't need, and drivers know that, we don't care about who's the fastest in the car or who's the fastest both car. They have to stay on the track, be running out of the, the end. Running out of the pits, because that's the only way for us to achieve a, a good result on Sunday afternoon. You've got an, is it an AER engine now? Yes. How's that working out? Now the engine is running quite well. We went a little back for, uh, on terms of uh, performance compared to last year for safety and say, reliability reasons. Engine is running quite well now, and uh, that's why we were able to achieve a third and fourth place in both Silverstone and Spa. 
and we want to continue this way. A, a, a fast engine that's not running at the end is no use to you at all. You need reliability, number one. Yes. Make that go as quick as you can, but it's got to be reliable. Exactly. What are you worried about? What's, what's your biggest hang-up? Do you want uh, it to be wet? No, 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 not at all. We don't have a four-wheel drive, so we don't want wet, for sure. But, uh, to be honest, if there is some rain and uh, changing weather, we could be in the middle of a problem with bad luck, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. car getting in, uh, in trouble and getting hit or hit someone. That's what our, ma our main fear for the race, to be honest. What are your hopes? A podium for one car? Would yeah. you put targets on like that? Uh, we have no hope. We have no real aim. We just want to be able to produce our best and then get reward for that. There's a lot of love for rebellion. <laughs> yeah, I know, know, I know. Because you're not one of the great corporate monsters. You know, you're, you're an maybe independent that's, Maybe that's why. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. why. And, uh, you know, to, to have an indie team yeah. win at Le Bon would be yeah. a remarkable, yeah. remarkable. Could it happen? I don't know. We want twice Petit Le Mans. So with two Petit Le Mans, maybe we can make a big Le Mans. <laughs> Let's hope so. Stefan, merci bien. Merci, merci. monsieur. Merci. Thank you. Some people say the real heroes of Le Mans are the mechanics, the people who put in 72 hours work in 24 hours, like my mate Mark Chitty Chitterden. That is correct. Chitty, how's it going? Good. What, what's your role? Are you a chief mechanic on one car? Or? I am a car controller. Car controller? The 13 car. So uh, I'm responsible for the car when it's over the white line in pit lane. Right. My responsibility to make sure everybody's safe and that the car is safe to continue in the race. So is that within like the, the sporting side of things? Yeah? Yes. That's yes. under the auspices of sporting director. Yeah, my pit crew are looking towards me to make sure that the rules are adhered to, etc., and that we've got the okay. You work off four hours on, two hours off, 20 minutes off. What do you do? 24 hours. 24 hours. Well, it's more than that because we come to work a lot earlier than the race starts, so it's probably closer to 36 hours in the truth of it. How are the cars? In good shape? Good, very good. Had uh, some good reliability so far this year. We're not going to push the factories, but we'll be there at the end and we'll see what happens. Let them push each other. I asked Stefan if he wanted it to be wet, you know, thinking hopefully one of the big guys will trip up over a GTE or something and you guys will inherit a podium. He said, no, no, we don't want it to be wet. It's just no, too risky. It is too risky. The weather here this week has been torrential rain, so it's not just a damp track. There's rivers and the sand here at Le Mans this year is unbelievable. Just washing sand all over the track, which affects our screens, our headlights, all the safety issues come into effect. Is the sand coming off the runoff areas or is it blowing yeah. in on the wind? It's coming off the runoff areas right. because there's so much rain yeah. and the runoff areas are full of gravel, gravel yeah. inherits sand, it washes across the track. Yeah. On aggregate, that's a bad thing, isn't it? Sorry, that was a bad pun. <laughs> We've got Nelsino in here. Did you look after Nelson's car in A1 GP? Well, I who, didn't. Um, how long have you been with Rebellion then? Uh, four years now. So. And Rebellion have been here, what, eight years, I reckon, in eight, WC? Nine. Nine, yeah. yeah. We were trying to work it out earlier on. Yeah. A lot of love for Rebellion. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of fans here for us. So. You know, the plucky underdog. But you're more than that, aren't you? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. 24 hours after 3pm on Saturday afternoon. Mark, thanks for having us, mate. You're welcome. Good luck. Now, I've got somebody here, the engineer of my car, number 13, 
you're a bit of a hero of his. No. Of his childhood. No. <laughs> this guy here, Simon. Simon. He's just had a baby. Oh, right. We were in a van on the way here. Yeah. Coming back, we'd been from the test, gone home for a couple of days. Sunday morning, we're in a van and we had to stop in Maidstone and he got out of the services, waved bye to us, and his sister picked him up and took him to have his baby tug for. First of all? Yeah. Oh, Simon. Yeah. I'm going to say hello. Yeah. Shall I just introduce myself? Simon? Yeah, Man, congratulations, you're a dad for the first time. On Sunday, yeah. Find it out and straight down here. And how does the missus feel about you being here? Boxes over the moon. <laughs> oh man. It's a, it's a life commitment, isn't it? Well, the baby was due, we planned it totally around the racing calendar. Really? The baby was due. 10 days before the next WEC race at Nürburgring. Hang on, I thought you were a mechanic, not a strategist. No, he won't go. He popped out four and a half weeks early. And he's called Nelson, of course. Well, he's called James. James? So, Holt? I'm the engineer of the 13 car, and my rival is James, the engineer on 12. So he thinks. Yeah, he thinks he's, but actually. He's an omen. He, the little lad's named after James Hunt. Or Jim Clark, yeah, or yeah. Jimi Hendrix, yeah. or Jimmy Page, or Jimmy or Lee from Slade, Lee. Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Cricket, oh, that doesn't work. Simon, mate, um, uh, we did a kart race together at uh, Johnny Herbert in King's Cross. King's Cross. I used to work for Jordan. Oh, the conversation at that point turned to lots of reminiscing and eventually I brought it back to Rebellion's hopes for Le Mans and how confident they are for this season. I mean we've got a lot more confidence and the relationship with AR is really good and we're working really well together. Is um, it a BMW block? No, it's a totally, totally bespoke AR. I think the Mazda engine in the, the runs in IMSA in the States is similar. Um, this engine is identical to the one that's in the Collis car, is but it? it's, it's not based on a road car block at all. Right. Wow. So unlike the LMP2 engines that have to be based on a road car block, ours is proper bespoke racing engine, stress member. Absolutely, totally bespoke. Yeah. And all centered around these core regulations, which are about fuel efficiency, maximum power with fuel efficiency. You've got a fuel limit, how much fuel you're allowed over the 24 hours? Oh. Yeah, with, like all the cars, you, you have a fuel cell limit, which is standard, but then you have a limit on how much fuel you can consume over a lap. Yeah. And you also have an instantaneous fuel flow limit. Which you can't ever peak over. Peak over. Yeah. But the regulations, as they were written two years ago, were very strict. You know, we really would have had to be fuel-saving, very closely lifting and coasting at the end of the straights and the whole car the whole concept of the car how low drag it is how fast it is in a straight line was all about fuel efficiency yeah, yeah. the problem is is when we started running the car out of the blocks with those restrictions we were so far off the pace of the factories that they had to give us more and more fuel and we're at a point now where actually the fuel limit isn't really a restriction for us. Right. And we're still not close to right, that. Right, right. It's a balance of, power, a balance of power, they call it, don't they? What do they call it? Balance kind of performance. Balance of performance. That's sort of... Yeah, with the, with the, the P2s and the GT cars. Yeah, they're... they're 
really you have to start thinking about slowing the batteries down which they are looking to do for next year but if you just gave us more power it's not as simple as that it's not like we just turn it up because the more power you have the more stress you put on all the other members so like the biggest bigger brakes you need bigger drive shafts bigger suspension and then you have more weight then you so have more you weight need you need more power it's a uh, the opposite of a virtuous circle isn't it it's yeah. a virtual but this virtuous spiral yeah. it just gets worse and worse yeah. so you've got the balance between weight power and performance optimised for the mass of the car that you've got to get the maximum speed out of no not I wouldn't say we've got it totally optimised because we've just built reliability totally into the car so you got to a point where okay now we've got reliability so once you get there then you start trimming the weight because yes. then you can start cutting back on a few things yeah. once you've got the comp- and we're probably at the point where right we've got some good reliability we know components last year that wouldn't maybe have done 24 hours we've learned from that now they will do 24 hours they're a bit bulky a bit heavier then you start to need to think about losing weight but as a rule of thumb you've got to lose a kilo of weight you're probably looking at a thousand pounds so it's a trade-off for you know the cost involved in, in, in reducing the weight of the car and we are okay look at us we're, we're 45 people in a garage two LMP1 cars you know this is a nice team with a reasonable budget but as soon as you go back to your side it's just another world yeah you know, whatever our operating budget is I, I, I don't know what it is but say it's circa 12 million you're looking at the the factories are on 300 million wow well I would have thought nobody probably knows but that's that's the order of magnitude you're talking if you had to pay for it that's what it would cost yeah Uh, so in terms of the development of this car we've we've got the reliability and and the the regulation changes they've proposed now for privateers for next year is a weight reduction yeah and you're allowed a wider car as well next year or something that's a performance yeah so what they've done so not not the complete car because obviously there's quite a lot of cost involved in, in changing the whole width of the car but what they're proposing is um, we can have wider aerodynamic devices on the front and the rear. So a wider rear wing, but a, a wider uh, front on the aero side, so maybe bigger dive planes. Yeah. So if you're looking at an LMP2 car, yeah. they have dive planes at the front that are wider than the actual width of the car, but ours currently have to remain within the width. Can we go and stand next to some of your bodywork and talk about the aero? Is aero yeah, your yeah, thing? Of course, yeah. Come on, let's go out here and have a quick talk about aero. Bodywork of the cars is off and sitting in the pit lane. We've come out of the garage, you can hear the air guns. And um, we can talk about the car from front to back. So we're looking at a nose. You call these dive planes. Two horizontal elements below the front fenders where the headlamps are. And is that controlling airflow down the side of the car? What are they there to do? It is. In my head as an engineer, it's basically a balancing tool. So it's quite convenient. We've got a rear wing here. Yeah. So obviously the rear wing we're adjusting for the overall drag of the car and the overall downforce. 
and the dive planes at the front are a balancing aid because if you put too much on here then you're just going to get bags of understeer. Change those by size or by angle or both? Not by angle, you can change them by size but all, all of the components on the car have to be homologated yeah. so if we do have more freedom in LMP1 we can go design a few aero bits and pieces in conjunction with Orica who manufacture the car with us but if we come up with a new style or a new design it then has to be submitted to the ACO and then they approve it and allow us to run it it's That's not it for the season or just for Le Mans? What, what we have here is our low downforce configuration so this is a low downforce nose and on the Rebellion car it can be quite difficult to see the differences externally but one way to tell is that the whole headlight assembly is a lot more sloped yeah. on the low downforce yeah. and we run a double dive plane on the high downforce these are a lot more vertical the headlight sections and we typically run a single on those okay low downforce lower height less cd lower frontal area less yeah. drag yeah. when you have a very vertical front wheel cover does that force more air around the side of the car rather than over it? Is that what it, it just is? helps with the airflow all around the front wheels. But that's a big development area for next year for us as well, is our high downforce kit. I think the gap to the batteries is arguably bigger on the more conventional circuits. And we need to look to improve our high downforce or normal conventional circuit yeah, yeah. aero. And that's somewhere we can really gain some lap time. Are you moving any air from any piping inside the car, any ducting? You yeah, the front wing also has a big influence of all of the underside of the car. So the, the lower part here, the splitter, yeah. is controlling all the airflow under the car. Yeah. And the whole floor and diffuser section, the rear part of it, is a, a huge venturi. It's the biggest aero part of the car, really. Really? That's yeah. doing all the work, the underside? The vast majority of it, yeah. yeah. And that's why the ride height's become so critical, because the ride height is then your tuning tool for the floor, how much aero you create and where, and where you want it. Yeah. You need a slippy car for the long straights here, but you we do, need to be able we to do here. Corners, yeah, we do. And on a low downforce track, the aero on this car is very good. And of course, our sister car, the LMP2, the Orica 05, is very good in the straight line as well. And if you look in the speed traps, our two rebellion cars are always bang right up there. And actually, we're pretty good in the Porsche curves as well right. this year. That's where we're camping. We'll be watching we're for quite, you. Yeah, yeah, do. That, um, that's your hotspot, is it? That's good. It works through there. Yeah. I'm just gauging it by Le Mans standards. That's a fast corner, isn't it? It, it, it is a fast corner. Where we sort of struggle more is in the low speed stuff, more than the mechanical side. With our overall package, we can gain a lot more, I think, in time, all the slow stuff we need to improve. I think even the LMP2 cars are a little bit quicker than us in the real low speed corners because they have generally got more overall downforce. Overall, overall downforce. Right. They always uh, look and mechanical grip. Yeah. LMP2 cars always look like they've got more grip than power. They have, they, and that's exactly what they have got, yeah. yeah. More, more grip than power. 
but working with Dunlop as well, we're still in our infancy really working with Dunlop. We've only been working with them since the beginning of the season. Do you get to spec the tyre for Le Mans or do they offer something for you saying, look, this is what we think is best? Well, no, it's not one side or the other. We've done quite a lot of development and specific tests with them. We recently tested at Monza with them. Pre-season we tested at Aragon. We did a dedicated test at Paul Ricard. And we have their engineers embedded within our team. And so it's a real technical partnership. So it's not so much a commercial where they say, right, we've got this tyre or this tyre, you choose. They're purposely developing tyres for this car. And tyres are crucial. As crucial as your reliability, as your aero, as your drivers. Tyres which can give you, you know, an extra lap of stint yes. here. That's the sort of advantage you're looking towards gaining, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it is. When we first bolted on the Dunlop tyre, the, the performance was almost identical to the, the Michelin tyre that we've been running for some years previous. And that was our starting point. Right. So we know that working that closely with them and developing a tyre is just going to get better and better. And all the time we were working with Michelin, and the Michelin is a very good tyre, but there's a privateer team, we're playing second fiddle to the factory teams. And the factory car is so radically different to us. You know, with their four-wheel drive system, principally. Yeah, um, they put their power down in a very different way. They're all at the back there. Yeah. Exactly. And, we, and those tyres are tailored for the factory cars. Yeah. We bought those on here, and we've just got understeer the whole time. And we can't generate the same tyre temperature that the factory cars can. But now you've got Dunlop, you've got a bespoke tyre that you can balance, yeah. as it were. Ex yeah. Exactly. And but there are also manufacturing times. So, yeah, we did the pre-season development work, but Le Mans is the real big one. So you spent your tyres for Le Mans, and here we are. And we've got a good base tyre for here. But I think as we go further into the season, so Nürburgring onwards, we will see some real step changes and improvement because of what we're seeing from Dunlop. But what you said is right, Le Mans, it's the big one. Good luck with the big one, Simon. Man, it's great to be here. <laughs> One of the great traditions of the 24 hours of Le Mans is the driver's parade, which if you've come to this race, you will know doesn't take place at the circuit where no one's watching. They do it in town, which is also where they do the scrutineering. And they carve out a lap of this lovely old medieval city. And the drivers, there's one in front of me now. Who's this? Who's this? I can't actually see. I don't recognize it. It's one of the TR, the RRS TRD racing, Toyota Racing Development. Um, yeah, the Rebellion team went by. Nikola uh, no, I Prost. I, I think I said that because one of the other Rebellion team just went past. They wear Sorry. red. They wear, really? yeah. It's said Rebellion on him. Maybe one car's in the drivers in red, the other team in red and white. Uh, maybe. And Nikola Prost just came by to warm reception. Nelson Piquet Jr. just came back, our Rebellion boys, appropriately enough. That's not Alex Impratori, who I was talking to earlier on. It's one of the other guys in the number 13 car, I think. Speaking English to the fans, I don't think you could hear that. What do you think of the parade, Damien? 
It's the least interesting thing I've ever seen here so far. <laughs> you are wonderful to have on this programme. A man who doesn't like cars or the or events. parades. Actually, yeah. No parades, no cars. But apart from that, it's just like Slough, isn't it? <laughs> it's not like Slough. This town is no, more no, like no, Chester no, than Slough. No, no, no. There's definitely a bit over there. That there we is an industrial element that, that to it. That was a bit yeah. we like, wasn't it? It's an old city which has developed over a long period and continues to do so. Yeah, I'm most looking forward to the night bit. Because when we arrived and we watched a few cars go around, that was really quite atmospheric, quite beautiful, quite spooky. Well, so I'm guys, really looking forward to seeing it. They're rubbish. Drivers coming through here. We zijn de overbeek. Het is weer een Nederlandse drijder. Can't see at the moment. The drivers are paraded on vintage cars, I think we call them. I think Ford are well represented this year. These are the Ford drivers. Yep. Oh no, he's an SMP driver. We can't see what's going on, that's my problem. No, we I need to be on a platform. On. This isn't my preferred position for watching the drivers parade. Usually we're in a place called Pave Saint-Hilier, which is, has a slightly elevated sort of platform to it, so you can see what's going on. But they've changed the route of the parade this year. It doesn't go past there, so you can't see we stuff. We need to find a better position. Okay, a better position. Yeah. All right, we'll do that. I've just got to point out to Damien that Ines Tessinger is coming this way. We've just seen her. Oh, the champagne goddess. Yeah, she's a daughter or a granddaughter or a niece of the Tessinger champagne family. And when Damien and I were working on this project called Race to 24 last year, she was one of the 24 drivers selected to go through to the uh, selection process, for a better word, to eliminate and establish a driver for the Moran team who were racing here last year. And she never got the chance to realise that dream last year, did she? Yeah, but it's nice to see her out here. I guess she must have stuck with it and gone on the team. Well, she's been racing in Formula V de V in France, which is an endurance formula, and she's always said that her ambition was to race at Le Mans. Oh, wow, so she's going to get that tomorrow. She's racing an LMP2 for Pegasus. And here she is. Ines Tatija. She's just a girl, isn't she? Yeah, and she looks really young. And she's, she's <laughs> followed up by the most ridiculous children's float I've ever seen in my life, full of chipmunks and balloons on some kind of chitty chitty bang bang wagon. <laughs> That's the noise you can hear now. Ridiculous. I'll just take a photo and you can maybe post yeah, it. Yeah, I'll post this to the website. It's some sort of 1940s French pickup truck in French blue, covered in balloons with Papier Pack written on it, and they're throwing stuff out. out to dodge that with two chipmunks wearing pink hats. What the heck? Hey. Steve caught something. I don't know what it is. It's a poncho. He's got a waterproof jacket for tomorrow. It always rains at the mall. Sebastian Bourdais, a French hero. Sebastian Bourdais drives past. Bourdais, Bourdais, Sebastian Bourdais. This is now fun. Because I can see what's going on. Yeah, we are facing them. We've got to see faces. 
That's another rebellion driver. That's 23 people who've yeah. gone by wearing rebellion race overalls. How many cars yeah. are they fielding? Yeah, there's a rebellion guy as well. With the bags. Yeah. They'd better win tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's going to be huge disappointment in our tents if they don't. <laughs> so you were chatting to who? The chief mechanic or something? Yeah, yeah, Simon. Is he confident about the race? They're managing their expectations. They know that if something goes wrong for the big teams, they could profit from that. But they can't rely on winning without that happening. Yeah. yeah. If they get on the podium, they've got to beat Collis. The number 12 car has to beat the number 13 rebellion car. The number 13 rebellion car wants to beat the number 12 rebellion. It's sort of an internal scene. Oh, nice. So they've got a little bit of rivalry going on a in there. Lot. In the team, a lot, yeah. Is that healthy or not? Oh yeah, yeah. It's anti. Yeah, they won't hide stuff from each other. They'll share data, but they'll finesse. They'll learn stuff through competition. I'm a socialist, but I do believe competition can improve the breed. And a Ford Mustang convertible comes through. Once again, Ford represented with a GT registration number, a German number plate, I think that isn't it. With three of the other Ford drivers, Sebastian Bourdais in one of the Ford GTs, and Marino Franchitti is driving one of the Ford GTs, who I know, so I'll be watching his car, I don't know the number. Fanatics shouting at the drivers. No different from me. I've been known to shout out as a driver. I have. I'm ashamed to say. Jos Verstappen came by once. I was in Parve Hillier, sitting down, eating my dinner. I turned around, Jos went by. Jos! I couldn't stop myself. GT, the early 2000s model, the previous generation, which is part of the display, and there's a Ford GT40, the real thing. We're at Parc Ferme, the car park where they keep the cars that take part in the parade. There appears to be a number of Morgan three-wheelers here, just at the park immediately behind the cathedral, which if you've seen the movie Le Mans, you'll recognise. God, it's just festival of cars isn't it it's nonsense it's great so that GT40 there is from when that was from 2004 so it's not a GT40 it was called the Ford GT this black Ford GT40 is from about 1968 I think that one it's there are 180 drivers taking part in this race tomorrow and they're all going to be paraded past us here. Isn't it? <laughs> 
you're listening to the sound of orchestra a man is just stood in front of a sign I can't read it now something like Juventus Vendra or something That's probably not what it says at all but uh, a bunch of people dressed rather like they were taking part in a South American carnival orchestra Juventus Vareira and chiefly dressed in orange scantily dressed women uh, lots of feathers lots of high cut costumes and a good driving rhythm which reminds me of the start of um, Thunderbirds I'm not going to sing it because I'll have to pay for the PRS but if you imagine the the bit at the start of Thunderbirds which goes dum dum I can do that much right the rest you have to make up yourself So we're going to wait for the marching bands to come through, but for the moment I'll say, on behalf of Zog, who's taking pictures up there, goodbye from him, goodbye from Dazza, <laughs> goodbye from Stevie Sackin, bye-bye, <laughs> and we'll see you for the next on speed, which might just have a really massive 24-hour motor race in it. See you then. To send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site, follow us on Twitter, or to find out about sponsorship opportunities, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed!